Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports Insights Podcast. I'm David Solar, joined as always by Dan McGuire. This week, we're going to break down the NBA playoffs, talk a little hockey, talk a little baseball strategy, uh, and get you ready for a few of the smaller upcoming events that are on the sports betting calendar. As always, I want to remind everybody to check out our four-day trial of Sportsbook Insider Pro. That's real-time odds, public betting percentages, money percentages, steam moves, reverse line movement alerts, really everything you need to make smarter bets. Sign up right now for our MLB Best Bets, which are off to a red-hot start. Uh, They're up 12.5 units on the season, and historically, baseball has been one of our more profitable sports and has produced pretty profitable returns for many contrarian strategies. So to get things started, I'm going to look at the NBA playoffs. A lot of blowouts, uh, and it seems like there's an air of inevitability to these games. But I'm going to throw it over to Dan to recap what sort of uh, trends we've seen so far. Yeah, if you like close games, the uh, second round has not been for you, that's for sure. Uh, 16 of the 18 second round games have been decided by double digits, so that's 10 plus points, which, you know, that's just not good, especially in this Washington-Boston series. Uh, You know, the home faves are 5-0 against the spread, 5-0 straight up. None of the games have been closed in the fourth quarter, unfortunately, but... uh, you know, it does bring up a good betting opportunity for Game 6 if you're trying to, you know, buy low on Washington. Um, you know, this is a great time for, you know, playoff teams at home coming off double-digit losses. Um, they hit it at about a 56% rate against the spread. So, you know, tomorrow night Washington opened minus 4.5 pinnacle. We saw that rise to 5.5 actually this morning uh, until the line came down to minus 5 um, right before we did this podcast. And the great irony is that despite the Celtics' struggles on the road against the Wizards, that really hasn't been the norm for them all season long. Uh, you know, against the Wizards on the season, they're 0-4 ATS. Against all other teams, they're 27-14 and 14 ATS. Uh, and really, since hiring Brad Stevens, they've been one of the better uh, road teams in the league. Uh, so to see this drop-off during the postseason has been perplexing. They say the playoffs don't really start until a road team wins a game. And, you know, we're still waiting on that in that Celtics-Wizards series. Yeah, it might not actually happen. So, I mean, you got the Washington, uh, you know, favorite tonight. If it goes to Game 7, Boston will be favored by, you know, at least five or six points there. So, yeah, it's been a pretty predictable series so far. Um, you know, Spurs-Rockets, luckily, has been a little different. Um, but, you know, we've just seen a lot of blowouts in this Washington-Boston series so far. Yeah, another thing I just sort of want to point to, and we saw this again last night, uh, we saw 74% of tickets, 83% of money taking that Wizards-Celtics over. And every single playoff game so far this postseason, we've seen the majority of public support on the over. Uh, and the over's done pretty well. I want to say it's 36-25 and 25 after last night's win. So public bettors have certainly been doing very well in that respect. And a lot of our contrarian strategies uh, have actually not been panning out during the playoffs so far. There is a reason to that, and we'll get to it. But first, I just sort of want to focus on some of these totals. You know, we mentioned that you see a, a real uptick of casual betters coming in for the playoffs. Uh, and even though historically playoff games have been lower scoring, you were seeing public pounding the over again and again and again. You know, at least 54% of betters have been on the over in every game this year. And, you know, we've already seen. 36 overs this year versus 33 all of last postseason. So certainly a stark contrast to what we've seen in previous years. With the over last night, the over has now gone 56 and 34 in Wizards games this season, which is the best mark of any team in the league. But before you go ahead and hit that game six over, uh, it's important to know that these uh, these late series overs have really not been profitable. Dating back to 2005, the under has actually gone... 
458 and 451 in games one through five. So, you know, about a 50% win rate. Whereas when we look at games six and seven, those potential elimination games, the unders actually gone 87 and 61. So we're talking about a 59% win rate. So really, we do see defense start to clamp down in these later games. Uh, and that's where you sort of get a lot more opportunity, you know, especially with a majority of betters taking the over you know, time and time again. I also mentioned that some of our uh, betting against the public strategies in terms of the spread have not been profitable during this postseason. But quite frankly, that's par for the course uh, to an extent. Uh, historically, the sweet spot for betting against the public is teams getting less than 40% in the NBA playoffs. Uh, this year, those teams are struggling. But in the first and second round, those teams have essentially treaded water. Uh, and Dan, I know you've got a great stat on this. Yeah, like you said, they got around 50% um, against the spread in these first two rounds of the playoffs. But once you hit the Eastern Conference Finals and Western Conference Finals, and NBA Finals for that matter, um, these teams getting less than 40% of tickets have actually gone uh, 41 and 15 against the spread. Um, and that includes 29 and 11 ATS in these conference finals. So, you know, if you're worried about betting against the public in these first two rounds, haven't been hitting, um, you know, don't worry about it too much. Next round, you should get really good opportunities. Most likely, you're going to be fading, you know, the Cavs and the Warriors. I would imagine they're going to get the uh, majority of public bets in a lot of those conference final games. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's definitely the round where it's at to uh, fade the public. Right, and that, that all makes sense, too, because, you know, with fewer games, you know, maybe one game every night, every other night in some instances, uh, you really start to see that ticket count rise substantially, and you've just got that flood of public money really hitting into the market in those sort of marquee games. And really, it's that one-sided public betting on those top seeds. And like you said, it's going to be Cleveland and Golden State, especially when those two teams are on the road. You know, we're going to see public betting hammering them, and, you know, it might be a good contrarian, you know, opportunity for betters in some of those games. We already see that those are the most popular teams in the league. Their lines are consistently shaded. You know, both of them are coming off of a sweep. There's probably not a better time to sell high. Yeah, and I know last year I think um, it was Toronto and Oklahoma City that were in the uh, conference finals, and they covered a lot. Obviously, didn't make the finals. They weren't winning the games, but they were covering against, you know, Cleveland and Golden State, so definitely opportunities to be had. Now, let's talk about this, because clearly the market still expects a Cavs-Warriors finals matchup. Right now, I think, you know, the odds of that matchup are minus 380, and any other matchup is plus 315. Looking ahead, I know Five Dimes has the Warriors listed minus 330 and Cavs plus 270 in a hypothetical matchup. Uh, but quite frankly, I think those odds are a little bit wrong, and you'll probably see Cleveland open as a smaller underdog, you know, especially because a lot of sort of sharper books already have Cleveland at you know, around plus 250 to win the title. Uh, so you know, there's, there's no way that their odds just against the, against the Warriors are going to be that long. Let's, uh, let's turn our attention to tonight's game. I'm going to throw it over to you, Dan. I wonder if you could break down what you're seeing in this Spurs-Rockets game. I know we've got a key injury that's sort of holding things up here. Yeah, this series has been a little difficult to predict. Um, so for Game 6 tonight, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's coming off an injury um, where he's questionable to probable at this point. Um, you know, Houston opened minus 7 at Pinnacle, at minus 6.5 at Chris. We actually saw that line increase to minus 7.5 uh, late last night and this morning around the market. Uh, looked like Kawhi Leonard might be a little closer to questionable to doubtful, um, but we did see another move on the Spurs actually this morning to bring that line down to plus six and a half, um, and actually plus six in some books uh, briefly. So it looks like Kawhi Leonard is going to be a go tonight. You know, not sure how effective he's going to be, probably not 100%. Um, you know, but the line moves this morning tell me he's probably more likely probable than doubtful at this point. 
Yeah, and Kawhi is, I mean, obviously a crucial player to the line. Uh, a healthy Kawhi is probably worth about four points to the line. You know, uh, obviously that number varies depending on the situation. But, you know, he is in that, I would say he's in that second tier of players right below, you know, LeBron and Russell Westbrook in terms of the impact that they have on the spread. Um, so, yeah, obviously he's right up there. And even if he plays tonight, you know, it's unclear whether or not he'll be at full strength. Last time this was in Houston, I think they closed minus five and a half. We're seeing six and a half right now, which indicates that it's more than likely he's going to play. But, you know, I think they are accounting for the fact that he, that Kawhi might not be at 100%. Yeah, and I think with that increased line, too, we're seeing the public betters, you know, shift a little towards uh, San Antonio. You know, right now they're getting 52% of the tickets, Houston getting 48%, which is kind of rare for an underdog. Usually you see the, uh, the public loading up on the favorite there, so... If the public likes San Antonio at that high number, they're not normally a uh, seven-point underdog. No, definitely not. In fact, we actually, you know, I think, the largest underdog they've ever been in our database, at least, uh, was when they were seven-and-a-half-point playoff dogs in the 2008 Western Conference Finals, uh, and that was in L.A. Uh, so it's, been, it's certainly been a while, but we're probably not going to see the line approach seven-and-a-half again unless there's some sort of announcement with Kawhi potentially sitting out. Uh, but right now, it does not look likely. Uh, for what it's worth, historically, Spurs have been a much better playoff team at home as opposed to on the road. Since 05, they're 56 and 34 ATS at home versus just 39 and 47 ATS on the road. Uh, it looks like this game's probably going to go back to San Antonio for a decisive Game 7, but we'll certainly continue to monitor this, these public betting trends and uh, definitely check out our injury page for the latest uh, status updates on Kawhi. All right, so let's say San Antonio does advance. Uh, what can you tell me about the look-ahead lines as, as far as uh, what the, what type of line would be looking at if they play Golden State? Yeah, so I think uh, oddsmakers are actually shortchanging this series a little bit, but they have San Antonio at uh, around 5-1 to one underdogs. If they played Golden State in the uh, conference finals, they have Golden State listed at minus 925. Um, similar odds if the Rockets advance, you know, Houston would be around plus 480. To get to the NBA Finals, Golden State would be minus 840. Um, so those are pretty big lines, especially for our conference finals. But, you know, the discrepancy between Golden State and the next best team in the West is, you know, just that big. Yeah, and similarly, Cleveland would be a massive favorite no matter who they play in the East. Uh, or those five times look-ahead lines, you know, it's Washington plus 500, Boston plus 480, Cleveland, you know, between minus 840 and minus 900, really, no, no matter who they play. I'm a little bit surprised by those Celtics odds, um, that just that the Celtics and Wizards would be so comparable. I do think they're fairly similar in terms of talent, but there's obviously a huge difference with Boston hosting, you know, potentially hosting four playoff games, whereas uh, Cleveland would actually have home court advantage against Washington. So it'll be curious to see whether or not Boston actually opens as a slightly smaller dog, uh, assuming that they advance. Yeah, that's a good point. I think this plus 480 price is actually pretty good at this point, but you know, obviously things might change. You could you know, potentially see an injury up until that point. All right, let's move it over from the hardwood to the ice. Uh, we had two pretty big games last night in the NHL, setting up some very interesting matchups in the conference finals. Dan, I'm wondering what you can break down for us. Yeah, well, first of all, the Capitals couldn't get it done again. They forced the game seven last night, had home, home ice advantage, looked like some of the uh, early sharp money was on Washington as well, but actually got shot out at home against Pittsburgh. So it'll be Ottawa facing Pittsburgh on uh, Saturday night, and we got tomorrow night, actually, we got Nashville at Anaheim. It looks like those game one lines just opened. Um, 
Boy, Anaheim's, you know, slight favorite. They're minus 117. Nashville's minus 103 in that game one. You'll likely see the series price um, around the same thing. You'll see around a pick of maybe Anaheim minus 115, minus 120. But that series is going to be really close. A little different than in the East. Uh, where we got Ottawa at Pittsburgh in game one. That line opened Penguins minus 230 um, at Chris. And you got Ottawa plus 190. And you're going to see... The, the series price very similar. Pittsburgh opened minus 215 this morning, Ottawa plus 185. And I would expect almost every game in the series for the public just to be loading up on Pittsburgh. Um, you know, public betters just aren't going to be, you know, drifting towards Ottawa. You know, got Pittsburgh with the star power. Um, so, yeah, you're just going to see a lot of those games going to be lopsided on Pittsburgh. Maybe a good opportunity to take uh, take Ottawa in these games. You know, plus, plus 190 seems like a pretty decent opening price. I wouldn't be surprised to see that come down... You know, even with the public on Pittsburgh in this game, I wouldn't be surprised to see some early sharp action, but certainly be curious to see where that opens, you know, across the market and where that moves over the next uh, over the next few days. Yeah, and Ottawa will have a couple extra days rest as well with Pittsburgh playing that game seven against Washington. So that game one is going to be pretty big for Ottawa and a pretty good opportunity, I think, where you can fade the public even though we don't have uh, any betting percentages yet on those games. Just a quick update on the trends this year in the playoffs. Um, like we mentioned last week, the road teams and the underdogs have been doing pretty well. Road teams are just 34 and 34 uh, straight up, but that's good for almost nine units on the money line. Similar for dogs, they're just 35 and 33 straight up, but that's good for almost 13 units on the money line. And, you know, that includes a big road dog win by Pittsburgh last night over Washington in Game Seven. So, um, you know, no guarantee that road dogs are going to continue that through the playoffs, but that's you know what's happened so far in 2017. All right, thanks, Dan. Let's shift again. Move from hockey back to MLB, where we have been having a ton of success with some of our contrarian strategies this year. You know, teams getting less than 40% of money line bets are up 25 units. Uh, you know, this number was at about 40 units a week ago, so we are starting to see it slip. But you know, really historically, the threshold that we typically identify as teams getting less than 30% of money line bets. So certainly, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend taking all teams getting less than 30% of money line bets, but once you start factoring other sharp money indicators, historically profitable trends, dogs with high totals, dogs in divisional games, things of that nature, uh, you can really start to increase your ROI. The other strategy uh, that I'd recommend, and we just wrote about this on the blog, is the impact of betting against the public in day games as opposed to night games. and you know the research shows that it's far more profitable to fade the public at night and the logic for this one is pretty simple for early games betters just don't have enough time to place their wagers you know if you're talking about a 1 p.m. eastern start you know even if people are getting up at 7 a.m. you just have a few hour window to place that bet a lot of people straight up forget that the game is going on and you just have far less public money entering the market uh, so you're not getting those artificially inflated lines. The lines tend to be pretty sharp. And in fact, betting against the public, even at the optimal threshold, has actually produced a negative return on investment. So certainly I'd recommend avoiding those games. You know, conversely, if you're just identifying night games, you know, so, and we're defining this as anything with a start time of 6 p.m. Eastern or later, uh, you know, teams getting less than 30% of money line bets, you know, uh, they produced a 1.6% ROI. So again... I wouldn't necessarily recommend every single team fitting this criteria, but there is a big difference just in terms of when you place your bet and how much public money can enter the marketplace and inflate those lines. 
I mean, if you take that one step further and you look at those really late games, those West Coast games with you know 10 p.m. Eastern time starts or later, you know you start to see that return on investment more than double. So you know these early games, it's been a negative returns. From 6 p.m. on, we start to see positive returns, and by the time you're getting to those really late games, and you've seen all that public money entering the marketplace for hours and hours and hours, that's when the, you really are going to maximize your value fading the public. Going one step further, if we're going to try and really identify even more one-sided public betting and look at teams getting less than 20% of money line bets, you know, in day games, those super contrarian teams have a negative 3.7% ROI whereas in night games they have a positive 2.5% ROI. So again, huge shift. Uh, really, no matter what threshold you're using, it's far more profitable to bet against the public at night as opposed to during the day. Now that we've got that out of the way, just want to update you on all the major MLB award favorites and uh, the, you know, the big races that we've got going on over in the AL. Mike Trout minus 160 to win AL MVP and Chris Sale minus 120 to win the Cy Young. Uh, I actually wrote earlier this week on Twitter about how I really liked Chris Archer at 60 to 1. Hopefully you got a piece of that early because he had a fantastic game last night with eight shutout innings, 11 Ks. He's looking fantastic right now. And you know, in the past we have seen Chris Sale break down a little bit late in the season. Uh, so certainly a very popular name right now, but if you sort of look at his career numbers in August and September, there is typically a drop-off. So certainly I'll continue to watch that, but getting a, a pitcher of Archer's caliber at 60-1 to 1 looks like a solid value if you can still get that. Yeah, I'll be surprised if he's at 60-1 next week for yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, over in the NL, it's a little bit more competitive with Bryce Harper at uh, plus 140. I believe Chris Bryant's right on his heels at 3-1, at to one. Uh, and, and I'll say Young. Clayton Kershaw is just starting to run away with it. He's minus 180 now. Again, I'm still waiting for someone to post a Kershaw against the field prop. I wouldn't be surprised to see that soon. Slightly intrigued by Steven Strasburg, who has looked like he's back to his old self. Uh, his velocity is actually up a tick since last season. Uh, he's at 12 to 1 right now, so that might be an interesting sort of long shot candidate. The other major story that I just want to touch on briefly is for the home run leader, where Aaron Judge, now 5-1 to one to lead the league in homers. He's been crushing it, and he was 100-1 to one before the season started at the, at the Westgate Superbook. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch Judge, but uh, certainly a lot of similarities with Giancarlo Stanton. He's got a pretty hitter-friendly ballpark, uh, but it's really interesting to see Judge, and Eric Thames for that matter, uh, who's now 7-1, to one, seemingly coming out of nowhere to be the beacon of power in the league. Yeah, a couple other surprises too. You got Freddie Freeman up there at five to one as well. Um, you know, Chris Davis of the A's at eight to one. You know, he opened the season at eighty to one. So there's a lot of value on some of these long shots if if you took it. I mean, you still got Giancarlo Stanton at seven to one. He was looks like he was the top favorite at the beginning of the year. So he looks like he's one of the only guys who's actually you know kind of been living up to his uh, potential home run wise this year. But yeah, a lot of those guys are huge long shots before the year. So we've got MLB season. You know, in full force, definitely be sure to check out our blog where we've written about a ton of different strategies for the baseball season. But I want to shift gears and talk about a season that's starting this weekend, uh, and that's the WNBA season. And, you know, I know this might not be the most popular sport, 
but because some of these lines are so soft, there actually is great opportunity. Uh, and historically, some of our bet signals, and specifically, you know, steam moves and reverse line movement plays triggered at Chris and Pinnacle, have actually been tremendously profitable. Now, really, you're just following the line movement, right? There's no value in, say, bet- betting against the public because you're talking, you know, $500 limits even at the sharpest offshore sports books. You do see these massive line moves. And you do see these sort of lessened effects of betting against the public. But if you check out Bet Labs, they've certainly talked about some very profitable reverse line movement systems, you know, specifically lines that move at least a point and a half at the 40% threshold. Uh, it's a great system that's won at a 62% rate since we added WNBA to Bet Labs. Super profitable system, super easy. You know, I know a lot of bettors aren't going to be watching these games, but you know there is a lot of value there, and we certainly want to recommend following these plays as well. Just sort of supplement your income during baseball season. Yeah, and for some people, it might be a good thing that you don't watch WNBA or anything because you don't have the emotion or any bias or preconceived notions going to the games. You're strictly just kind of following, you know, what the market's doing, trying to get the best line, you know, following the sharp money. So, um, in some ways, it's actually a better sport if you're not, you know, too emotionally invested in, you know have your own biases in WNBA as you would, you know, for a sport that you really like to follow, like NHL or MLB or something like that. That's a good point. Just let the numbers talk and set it and forget it. Speaking of, if you're also interested in checking out more about the the WNBA season, we do have MVP odds posted on our blog right now. Let's uh, throw it over from one sport that I don't watch to another. Dan, I'm wondering if you can break down... uh, uh, I know we're approaching the end of the EPL season. Uh, what should people be looking out for as, uh, as the season comes to a close? Yes, yeah, so we get two weeks left in the season. Um, not as climactic as last season where we saw Leicester City win the title at 5,001 odds. Uh, we've had Chelsea just kind of run away with it since the midpoint of the season. Uh, they have a chance to win the title tomorrow, actually, by beating uh, West Brom on the road. Um, you know, Chelsea was around plus 600, plus 700 around the, uh, around the market before the season to win the title even though Manchester United and Manchester City were the real big popular bets. So I think sportsbooks are actually going to be pretty happy that Chelsea actually won the title this year and you know don't have to pay out 5,001 odds on Leicester like they did last year, or, you know, big tickets on Man City and Manchester United that were coming in before the season. We also have one more team being uh, relegated, and that's going to be either Swansea or Hull City. Um, probably going to take until the last week to be... Uh, settled, but we've already seen Sunderland and Middlesbrough be relegated so far this season, so uh, we've got one team left, and still hoping we get that relegation process in American sports, but I guess we're not quite there yet. One more thing I'm hoping you can now provide a little bit of uh, insight on. We had the Kentucky Derby last week, always dreaming one as the favorite, but certainly not the clear-cut favorite at about 5-1. to one. We've got the Preakness coming up next weekend. I'm curious what type of odds we're seeing and whether or not uh, you know, sports books are, think that Always Dreaming is going to win again. Yeah, it's a little tricky for the Preakness because uh, a lot of books don't know exactly what the field is going to be. There's some horses that are, you know, might, might not be racing, but Always Dreaming did open as the plus 110 favorite at five dimes. But you definitely want to shop around for the best price because Bet Online this morning had Always Dreaming listed at minus 150. Um, you don't want to take minus 150. You'd much rather take the plus 110. So... You know, definitely be patient, shop around for the best line. You know, some books have horses listed that you know aren't actually going to race, so you're going to want to read the rules for those. Make sure you're not betting on a horse that's not going to be racing because some of these books take action on any of your bets. So um, just be careful and just definitely read the fine print if you're betting on uh, the Preakness of the Belmont Stakes. That's good advice. 
before we close up shop here. I know last week we talked about NFL division a lot. We talked about win totals. We talked about some of our favorite values there. Uh, but now we've had you know Super Bowl futures posted for months now. I know you've got some insight, but what are the most popular early tickets that we're seeing? So some of the more trendy picks that we're seeing um, over at William Hill, U.S. and Nevada are Oakland, Green Bay, Dallas, Seattle, New England, and Pittsburgh. So, you know, no big surprises there. Maybe Oakland, I think, would surprise some people um, that they're getting the most tickets to win the Super Bowl. But, you know, the rest of the teams, Packers, Cowboys, Seahawks, Patriots, Steelers, I mean, those teams are always up there in terms of tickets. Plus, you have to imagine that the locals are going to be rooting for their their future team. Uh, That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that, actually. So, yeah, that makes sense, then, that Oakland's up there. Oakland slash Las Vegas, you could say. Yeah, but these are, you know, <laughs> Packers, Cowboys, Patriots. I mean, year in, year out, these are pretty much the most public teams that we see. Yeah, and we have seen, um, you know, a little bias towards New England from a, uh, a public and sharp point of view. We've seen uh, nearly 23% of the all-money wagered at William Hill on New England to win the Super Bowl, which, um, you know, isn't a huge surprise. I think they're listed around plus 325 to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, 23% of tickets is, kind of falls in line with, you know, their odds to win it. Yeah, we talked about how South Point a little over a week ago, they posted their NFL win totals. The Patriots actually opened uh, with a win total of 11. You know, the over was a little bit juiced up, but like you said, did have sharp money come in that bumped that to 11 and a half. What's really interesting is that some of the square offshore sports books have also started to post their uh, their win totals. And I know over at Bavada, their win total is a full win higher at 12.5 on the Patriots, which, as much as I love them, and as, you know, despite the fact that they're favored in every game, I can't remember a win total in recent history opening at 12.5. Yeah, this is just the benefit of, you know, hopping on the, the first line available or, you know, the best line that you can get because you're not going to see New England's win total at 11 anymore. Um, it's just not going to happen. You're going to see, you know, maybe 12 at the lowest um, around the market. But, yeah, Bavada really has no reason to, to offer anything below 12.5 because they're just going to get tickets on the over no matter what. So Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I believe the last time I saw a win total that high was that, uh, that 2008 Patriots team uh, coming off their almost undefeated season uh and obviously they lost brady in game one ended up winning 11 games with matt castle as quarterback so certainly anything can happen yeah and there are some season-long prop bets listed on our blog but um you know there'll be people definitely taking a uh a patriots 16 and 0 season maybe even a 19 and 0 perfect season which you can get you know pretty good odds for so yeah and we've already seen over at bet online patriots versus the field uh, which is kind of interesting for a few reasons, but got the Patriots plus 325 against the field at minus 400. And if you really wanted to, you could pretty easily arbitrage this by taking the field at minus 400. Certainly other sports books have the Patriots at better than 4-1 to one odds. I know Five Dimes had them at plus 425 the last time I checked, and probably throughout the season you'll start to see even longer odds than that. Um, but really this is not a worthwhile just because, you know, you're, it's such a small payout, it's such a small arbitrage opportunity, and in order to get paid out, you're waiting until the beginning of February. So you'd be better off just investing that money elsewhere. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Again, I want to recommend that everyone try a four-day trial of our Sportsbook Insider Pro. Again, that'll get you four days of real-time odds, public betting percentages, money percentages, reverse line moves, steam moves, all sorts of other unique tools, as well as access to our nightly betting hangout, which takes place between 6.30 and 7 every night. You can chop up the games with our customer service manager, Josh. 
answer any questions that you may have and make sure that you know fully how to optimize this product. Also want to remind you that those MLB best bets are off to a 79 and 69 start plus 12 and a half units. We still got plenty of time left in this season and baseball has been historically our most profitable sport. If you don't already, make sure to follow us on social media. We're at Sports Insights on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you haven't given us a review on iTunes already, please do that. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.